You, talented 18, are the future. Pretty cool, right? Hey, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that were... Ah, messed that up. About things that we may or may not know too much about. In order to broaden perspectives, I'm going to leave that mess up in. In today's episode, we have Emily, oh, Chef Emily Hirsch. You can see her on Hell's Kitchen Season 20. I think by now we might know the results, and we're going to talk about that. Um, But with that said, thank you, Emily, for being on. I just finished eating a big old plate of food, so I'm kind of like, do I really want to talk about food right now? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you but, so much for having me. I'm about to eat my dinner after this, too. So I'm ready to talk about food. So oh, I'm so, so you're going to go too hard to fest with us on an empty stomach. Yeah. So I'm going to be really, really hungry after this. At least I, I'm filling it up with uh, wine first. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, co- guest co-hosting today is Larry. Larry Zimmerly. Thank you for being on here. Larry, how do we know each other? Uh, we know each other on Hello World. Uh, how do we know each other? We went to college together for about three years. And then we, after one of us stayed in college and one of us didn't, I won't say which one. Um, Would you uh, still know that doesn't mean it? Larry, enough about you. It's not about you. It's about Emily Hirsch. So let's sit yes. back, buckle up, and let's go too hard, too fast. Boom. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too hard, too fast. Too hard, too fast. Too hard, too fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Hey guys, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast. This is Chef Emily, the vegetarian who competed to work at a steak restaurant. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) The podcast of the century. I found vegetarianism. That became my new passion. When was the last time you snuck in somewhere and had a cheeseburger? You know, after a couple, you know, drinks, the right. a little tipsy side of me, you know, gets the chicken nuggets or gets the. <laughs> Emily, first question: What are you drinking? I'm drinking a nice cheap red wine from CVS. That's what I'm drinking. Oh, today. oh that's hardcore. <laughs> cheap red wine from CVS. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to review it. Okay. Um, and it's usually based on, like, uh, what, what it looks like, like the cover of the bottle. Okay. Um, oh, do you want me to get the bottle? Sure. Okay. I'm actually, re- as long as it's in a bottle, not a box. <laughs> What's wrong with box wine? I don't know. It gives me heartburn. I'm not that cheap. <laughs> have, um, it's actually called Menage Trois. It's a... Soft red blend from California, and Menage Twed doesn't that usually mean three? But there's only two people on here, so it's a little mm. it's a little misleading. But it tastes really good, so that's all I care about. <laughs> and does it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Larry made a funny face when you said that. I think Larry was uh, thinking dirty. Um, I have comments on the subject. Larry, come on, Larry. <laughs> Um, it's your first time here, Larry. Don't mess it up. Get your mind out the gutter. I, I mean, it's hard when you live in the gutter, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to muddle through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So based on the bottle, mm-hmm. what, and based on the alcohol content versus the price mm-hmm. and the taste, what would you rate it going 1.0 to two using decimals? Okay. So I could totally cheat because my dad has introduced me to this um, app where you can scan the front of a wine bottle and it tells you the rating. 
from one to five. So I'm not going to use that. I'm going to do it for myself from using this app so many times. So I'm going to, so the bottle, I'd say the, the label's okay. Didn't ca- catch my eye, but the price caught my eye. So it was probably like $10. And then. The alcohol uh, content is a 12%, 10%. How do I figure that out? It's probably on the bottom. 13.5%. How much? 13.5. Okay, okay. That's a too hard to fast wine. So it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. A good and one. I, I love red blend. So I'm always I'm always gonna rate it high. So I'd rate it probably a one point seven. Right. True. Fair that enough. One, that one's uh, almost there. I think that's a good a fair enough, especially when it's cheap. So mm-hmm. cheap and if it tastes good, that's hard to find. Yeah. Especially Tyler. <laughs> I'm not speaking from experience. What are you drinking, Lars? I am drinking, for starters, a Tito's and orange juice with some pulp. The secret to a good screwdriver is some pulp. That's what I think. See, not everybody likes pulp. It's okay, though. It depends. <laughs> I thought the secret to a school dr- uh, screwdriver is uh, having it in the morning. True. I mean, it's always morning somewhere. So, <laughs> so Tito's, what, do you, what, what would you rate it? Tito's? Oh, for me... Uh, We'll do a 1.9. I mean, Emily's right. Not anything can be perfect, but I mean, you can have something that's pretty close to perfect. So, Damn, 1.9, anytime that's high. You find a, anytime you find a nice, smooth vodka that's not going to like make you do the bitter face when you're drinking it, it's a good vodka. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 1.9. Well, you guys have wine, liquor. I brought a beer since we are getting into that Oktoberfest season. Oh, very nice. And since Emily is from Texas, well... Are you originally from Texas? Yep, born and raised in San Antonio, actually. I love San Antonio. Oh, well then, uh, this one says it's the first to can craft in Texas. Yeah, I don't know if that's right. true or not, but this is too hard too fast and we don't check facts. <laughs> he, he never checks the labels anyways. So <laughs> um, we are recording yeah. during uh, Texas's first game day. Mm-hmm. And you went to UT, so I went. I went really cheesy on everything. I love it. Oh yes, I didn't <laughs> notice the hat. Uh, super, super cheesy. I am a UT fan. Um, that's oh, why yeah. I wanted to go to college before I ended up going with this guy over here. Where did you guys go? Uh, we went to our later the Lake University. Very nice. Here in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, yes, so, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. <laughs> I keep cutting you off. It's Zoom. That's how it works. It's just, it's just, there's no rules and there's no respect on it. It's just everybody going for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I ended up at Our Lady of the Lake University. And, but here, cheers to uh, UT. Cheers. Cheers for having me. Oh, and Larry me. is in Austin. Well, so we should say that. I'm in Austin right now. Oh, I live in Austin. So. Yes. So. Cheers. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. Cheers. All right. It's not bad. It kind of tastes like uh, river water, though. Uh, it's not, not going to bad taste. I like river water. I don't oh, know. Like actual river water? Yeah, like kind of like maybe it's because I was drinking a little bit of whiskey before it. So now my, my palate <laughs> is a little messed up. Nice. So I like it. But it's $2.49 for one can. So it's a little pricey for one can. What do you rate it from one to two? 
Ooh, Emily. Uh, it's a 6.2% beer alcohol content. So I'm going to go with a 1. 1.58. No. Oh, I, w- I already said it. I got to keep it. Uh, I, was, I, was, I remembered about the about the alcohol content being kind of high. But no, 1.5 is fair enough because $2.50 $2. for a beer can. Ooh, and I bought two of them. <laughs> Came out a little pricey. Uh, there's there's the reviews, the too hard, too fast reviews. Emily, one thing I know about San Antonio, I'm not a raised here in San Antonio. Oh, I wasn't born or raised here in San Antonio. I'm from a border town. But one thing that San Antonio people ask is, what high school did you go to? Oh, yeah. Went to Churchill High School. So go Chargers, Dub C for life. <laughs> Larry's from here, from San Antonio. So, Larry, what do you think? Larry, what school did you go to? Not bad. I went to Holy Cross. I'm, I was a, I was a West Side private school kid. <laughs> Is it Catholic school? Yeah, it's a Catholic school on the West Side of San Antonio. So, Pride of the West Side, that's what they call it. So, El Hueso. Yeah, some of our, some of George's and Watchers uh, or alumni of there too. So I'm sure when they hear me say proud of the West Side, they're at home going, yeah. So there you go. when you say watchers, that sounds weird too, though, by the way. And just like I like I should look out my window. Your boy. Hey, I'm watching USA. I'm right here. <laughs> Your video. Voyeur. There you go. <laughs> All right, Emily, what got you into being a chef? That's a loaded question. So I'll start with way back when, when I was a dancer. So I was a dancer since I was two years old, um, did all of the, all of the genres. So, um, jazz, ballet, hip hop was my favorite though. So I still can use those skills at the club, which I'm thankful for. Um, but I was a dancer, made it up to the collegiate level, actually danced for UT, um, for one year, but the year before I was at UTSA. So I got to do school here for a year and I loved it. Um, when I got to UT, it, the dance team became a little bit toxic, a little bit manipulative, stuff, something that I wasn't used to as a dancer. And so long story short, um, I did not know how to take care of my body being a dancer. So I ended up getting an eating disorder, developing an eating disorder, which is actually pretty common um, being out of the dancing world now and doing my research and seeing how many women share the same story as me. Um, so a lot more common than you think ended up having a bad relationship with food. And once I got out of the dance team, I, I kind of had a loss of identity and I really thought and sat to myself and just kind of pondered on what could be my new identity. How can I get myself out of this funk, out of this depression and through recovery, I found plant-based eating. Um, so I'm a vegetarian, which I know is rare for Texas. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I tell, tell that to everybody and they're like, but why? There's barbecue. I'm like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> trust me. My dad lets me know every single day. But um, yeah, so I had a vegan roommate and she cooked a lot and she really was, she loved food a lot and I could tell. And that was something was rare to me in that time of, of college in the past four years. Um, and so I saw this love of food that she had and I was like, wow, I, I want to try this out and see maybe if this can help me, if this can heal me. And so I started cooking plant-based and just the creativity of it 
and the love that goes into preparing your food, I feel like is, of course, there's people put love into any types of food that they prepare. But for me, I, I found a true love preparing plant-based foods and vegetarian and vegan food. So I completely clung to that. My mental health, physical health, physical health flipped 180 degrees. I ended up being obsessed with plant-based eating, obsessed with like mental and physical, spiritual health and wellness. And so once I graduated from UT, I was like, well, I don't like my major. So I guess I'm going to go be a chef, <laughs> which <laughs> nobody ever likes their major in college. So luckily I had something that I was passionate about that I found pretty early. So I went to culinary school uh, in New York City. It's a boutique culinary school called the Natural Gourmet Institute, but now it's part of ICE and did culinary school there for a little bit and then went straight into the restaurants, which was not what I expected to do after uh, culinary school. I thought I was just going to be a private chef, but I got thrown into the restaurants and I, I loved it. And after about two months cooking professionally, I got a call. Um, from a random person saying, Hey, do, do you want to be on health kitchen? And I was like, is this a scam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First thing I would have thought of too. is, yeah, this I, is scam. Like, I don't think that you want me. I, I promise. I I'm a vegetarian chef who's been cooking for two months. So <laughs> well, how did they find out about you? I'm sorry. How did they find out? Or like they found me on LinkedIn, which is another very random way to find me. So um, I remember I got a message saying, hey, like all caps, casting for Hell's Kitchen. And I never really watched Hell's Kitchen growing up, but I, of course, knew of it. And I knew of Gordon Ramsay. So I sent in my uh, headshots and my pictures. And then they sent me out to, I remember they sent me out to LA for the final interview and I was stuck in my hotel room for a little bit. And I remember calling my mom and my mom also is just like typical mom has anxiety about the, her kids leaving her and being by themselves. I called her. And I was like, they haven't come to get me yet. I haven't done any interviews yet. I think this is like, what if this is like a sex trafficking scam? <laughs> That's exactly what, everything. I, I hate to meet like random people. I, like, I don't do Craigslist like, or sell anything yeah. online because I'm like, Nah, I'm not. I'm not about to get kidnapped. Even though nobody's gonna want to kidnap me, or even like physically, probably even be capable. But at the same time, know. you <laughs> never know the the creeps that are in this world right now. So, I if they if it was sex trafficking, props to them because they went like all around out of their way to make it seem really legit. But my mom, <laughs> <laughs> my mom called the hotel and was like, "Is this is this real? Is this happening?" They're like, "Yes." So. After that, that intrusive thought was out of the way. I was like, okay, yes, I guess this is a real thing. I guess I should start believing in myself, my abilities as a, as a baby chef. So that was the long story short of me in my career and what's happened so far back, like back two, two long years ago. It was crazy. It was so long ago that happened. I saw that you had a, your degree was kinesiology and health. And so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe that's where like the, the plant-based stuff comes in like and then also where the shift to to being a chef but my brother did kinesiology and he's you know he works yeah he works in the nfl so i was like how does that like i don't understand <laughs> where, where one chooses this route and the other person chooses to be a chef yeah but i so guess you know, like he actually yeah. fell through and is doing something cool with that so that's awesome yeah i honestly chose kinesiology because my sister, who's three years older than me, 
was at UT a kinesiology major. And so I was like, I just want to go to UT. So I guess I'll, I'll pick this major. And I tried to be a fitness instructor for a little bit. I was a kickboxing instructor for three years. And then I realized that I don't want to have to work out for my job. (laughs) (laughs) It was too much working out. I was like, I want to, I want to leisurely go to the gym when I want to. I don't want to have to teach this. And so I realized that wasn't for me, but the people who are in that major are, the classes were really hard. The professions that they go to after when they graduate are awesome. It just wasn't something that was for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Larry, um, what's your excuse? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, am I supposed to answer that? I was kidding, Larry. So Again, with the plant-based, well, actually, I want to go, if you don't mind talking a little bit more about the, your eating disorder, because when you mentioned that it's a common thing, do you mean it's a common thing like in general or like within the dance community? Both. So I don't know really percentages, but doing some research on it, because that's something that I'm also extremely passionate about is spreading awareness on eating disorders and mental health disorders and spreading body positivity because especially with social media, social media being such a big thing. Now I noticed that girls are comparing themselves to these unattainable standards. So mostly women have all experienced some sort of body dysmorphia, body image problems, which I'm sure you, you have heard of just people talk about because people are a lot more open now, but as well as men. Men also experience a lot of eating disorders, body dysmorphia, but especially in the dance world or any sort of top tier athletic kind of uh, vibe of an organization. because of that expectation, like the body's supposed to look a certain way so they can move a certain way. Yeah. Like, of course you're, you're supposed to be able to move and do, do like high kicks and twirls and leaps and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that was something that was always known, like in, if we're getting like trigger warning, if anybody has a, has an eating disorder is, is struggling with that right now, but you know, growing up as a dancer, everybody was pretty thin. Everybody was fit and could move. And that was just something that we didn't think about, but going into a team where it was kind of out in the open where they said, all right, you need to be this weight. And there was talk about people back like five years ago that they just changed where you had to weigh yourself in order to compete and BMIs were a thing and BMIs aren't really accurate given how, you know, strong people are now, like muscle of athletes and they don't count that in. And so there's just a lot of factors that are in um, these elite dance teams and as, as well as like volleyball, any sort of like women figure skating, any sort of women's sport. And men, because I don't want to count out men because it happens to them too. But yeah, it's very present. And multiple women on that on the dance team that I was on also struggled with uh, eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all that. So it was it was a big mess. And well, I'm glad. Well, you're saying men, and I kind of want to talk about that as well. And at full transparency, I wasn't sure. I I saw somewhere about your eating disorder, and I didn't want to bring it up unless you wanted to talk about it. Oh or, yeah. You know, and so because the thing here with Too Hard Too Fast, yeah, we're having fun and I want to enjoy this whole conversation. And the one thing I forget to mention is that 
I do want to talk about important topics that may help somebody out in the future. Um, and we'll cut the, the seriousness with, with some really messed up jokes or really, or hopefully funny jokes, but you know, if we can help somebody today, at least one person, that's, that's a win. So when you mentioned the guys, like I, I, I feel like sometimes we forget about the guys because at least for the, like my Hispanic side, for my Mexican side, I grew up with, ah, you're a guy, you're supposed to be fat. You're good. Like you're good. Like guys are supposed to be fat for some reason. I don't know why. Like it's a, you're eating well, you're, um, you're, it's a sign of, you know, you're living well. And then the women are supposed to be pretty, but that's in general, not just because of men, but pretty and healthy and always working, doing, I don't know, but it's like, it's, it gives us an excuse for, you know, the extra love here. Um, And I, I agree with you because it's different in every culture, right? Which makes it crazy why there are these expectations on us globally because in every single culture, there's a different way and a different uh, vision on how we're supposed to look. And so thank you for sharing that because that's very interesting. Um, I think I kind of can relate because I have a family who came from a generation where they had to be the clean plate club. So they had to finish every single thing that was on their plate or else it was disrespectful. And that is also, you know, it's, it's, a balance it's either too extreme or too extreme on the other end and here we are growing up in this generation we're like I don't know like how how to eat because everybody's telling me something different my culture society these stupid tiktoks like (laughs) (laughs) just too much information and so what I have found is I don't know if you guys have heard of intuitive eating Mm. no it's very the, the reason why I think it's, it's not very um, mainstream is because they don't make money off of this. It's not like a diet plan where they can sell these pills or they sell these um, recipes or diets. It's basically, it, it was founded by two uh, registered dietitians who are, who specialize in eating disorders. And it's basically just focusing, this is kind of hippie as well. So bear with me, but <laughs> You, it's okay. Also, uh, he's in Austin, so he's he's used okay, to. It. In Austin, so you're. you're <laughs> I can totally relate. Anything you tell me that has to do with hippiness, I can relate. So yes. it's fine. Yes, I love it. So <laughs> this, um, it's this way of living where you really tune in to your body and you listen to your body, and you reject all diet culture, all anybody's been telling you go diets, and you really just listen to your hunger cues. And without any sort of outside influence. So like, and no food is off limits. So when I was in recovery, I found this. And the first rule was like, reject diet mentality, eat whatever you want. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got like a whole bag of Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) But later on, the further on I read, it was like, you shouldn't be like emotionally eating either. Or, I mean, it's totally fine if you do, but you should be listening to your body and being like, oh, why am I doing that? So it's, it's kind of like opening up the conversation of it's okay to eat whatever you want, but make sure that you're mindful doing it and make sure that you're loving yourself and providing yourself with gentle nutrition while you're doing it. So it was a, it was a completely different concept that 
I found when I was in recovery. And I think everybody should pick up the book. There's a book called Intuitive Eating um, by those two dietitians. And tell me if I'm talking too much because this is what I'm really passionate about. No, go so, ahead. This is what I want to I want to learn about this. Yeah. So that's that's how I mainly I found recovery. Also the love of cooking, of course, but um, just kind of letting myself eat like a normal person again. And that being, that includes sometimes overeating, sometimes being hungry, you know, it's not, we're not perfect. And we, we shouldn't have to put ourselves to these standards of these diets where we're trying to um, starve ourselves and then later overeat. It's just crazy, craziness. But it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of really like the way you said, listening to your body, and doing, you know, listening to your body and what makes your body happy, as opposed to maybe not always doing what's best for your body, but you're doing that with a good intention, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was just explaining to somebody the other day, you know, I've, you know, I've struggled with that too. At one point, five, six years ago to make a personal decision to go on this fitness journey. So, you know, wound up losing about 60 pounds, going to the gym five days a week. I just told somebody, I was like, I felt like I was eating plates of grass 10 times a day, you know, and you realize like, okay, I look good. But then you look in the mirror and you're like, I look good, but I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. You're not happy. Cause you get so caught up in like the way you said in what society wants you to look like in what you get told in the same way that women get told that they should look like men get told the same thing too sometimes. And I might agree to disagree with George. And sometimes like, yes, in certain cultures, they, the bigger you are, the the in some cultures the 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 more meat you have on your bones the better off you've been in your life just far meaning you can actually afford to eat you know in some societies um and i think from my perspective it's a little bit more like well a guy needs to look you know jacked and needs to like six pack and do this and that so you chase that dream and you're you're not there but you're getting on that road but then you're like this isn't my road like I got to get off, I got to get on the on-ramp. It's okay to have the Oreos. It's okay to, you know, and as an avid stress eater, I can definitely relate to that too, where you're just like, yeah, like you have a bad day, you open the pantry and you just, whatever's there. It's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, you talk about the bag of Oreos, like I've, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bag of Oreos and a measuring cup of milk. And you sit there and you're like, I'm just going to get through this day. Like, I just got to finish this day off. So, And sometimes that's what you need, especially this past year with the, with the COVID and the pandemic. It's just a lot of people have gained weight and have been really hard on themselves about it. Me too. I mean, I was stuck <laughs> in my parents' house for a year. Of course, I was going to gain weight <laughs> and emotionally eat. <laughs> um, but yeah, and people are so hard on themselves. And now that we're kind of getting out of it a little bit, knock on wood. Um, people are like, okay, well, time to lose all the weight immediately and, you know, be hard on myself about gaining this weight. It's like, no, like your body goes through these changes because it's in response to an environment that was hard. Like that was a hard environment. Maybe you needed to gain a little bit of weight. Maybe you needed to emotional eat a little bit, you know, but of course it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. You are going to get back on the wagon or whatever they call it and be more balanced it's just, well, we don't like talking about getting on the wagon on here because, you know, that yeah. means quitting alcohol and we don't like to do that. Yeah, you know, what? <laughs> I apologize because I never say get on the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what it's, uh, I, I did. Uh, just, 
it's it's a crooked wagon it's a crooked wagon you're on and off on and off <laughs> it drifts every now and then well it's funny that you meant well it's not funny that you mentioned that but it, the fact that you mentioned you know this past year i had a realization at the beginning of the summer and uh full oh, I, I don't want to i don't even say full transparency and I, I was about to say it for the second time too um it's no secret that i am a special ed teacher we talked about this you know my real life outside of the podcast that's what i do um so when we shut down when everything shut down you know stuck for six months not knowing what to do and just sitting around i i felt like I really dove into the podcast and this is what I wanted to build, but building on it, I then realized, Ooh, I am hitting a little bit of the too hard, too fast, too much. And it finally hit in June, maybe May where I made the realization was like, I don't feel good. Like I don't feel good at all. And I need to make a change. And so I went sober for like the summer, which is everybody thinks it's crazy. Cause it's like, it's your summer. Like I had just finished like the, the first year of teaching with COVID and all that craziness. And you're about to, you know, have your summer where everything seems like it's opening up and we're ready to have some fun. And you're about to like go on this cleanse. I was like, I have to do it. And I went for it and I felt good, but you know, um, it was just, a, it, it was a situation where I felt like I needed to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome because that's another part of the intuitive eating is if you're not feeling good, maybe you had like a hamburger on Monday and you also had a hamburger on Tuesday and you're not feeling good. Then you check back in. You're like, Oh, maybe I'm eating too much of this kind of food that makes me feel bad or I'm drinking too much. I do that all the time. Like sometimes I love alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the right show. Yeah. My parents are like huge winos. I, just love I love just like going to a bar with friends but there are times where I'm the same way I'm like oh man I do not feel good and I am sleeping all day I need to cut back so I I love that you do that sometimes too and just like take a reset and try to balance a little bit because we I feel like we get too excited about the fun things in life sometimes and also I don't think I haven't heard the word winos in such a long time so long. I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. The boomer word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but I remember, I think when I first heard it, I was in high school. And I should say, you're probably a lot younger than I am. And definitely a lot younger than Larry. Um, I'm 34, 35, I forget. Uh-huh. Larry, you're 47? <laughs> nope, I'm 35. 35. <laughs> Emily, how old are you? Because you were on season 20 and it's so called the young gun. So obviously it's meant up all the fact that you guys are younger chefs. When I filmed the show, I was 22. Now I'm 25. Oh, oh wow. So it's a big, uh, a long turnaround from when they first filmed it. I did a lot of, a lot of growing up in between, <laughs> in between waiting for the show to, to, to come out. Yeah, definitely. That's crazy because, well, not to drop the names or, or anything or other names, but we had Mary Lou on the show. And, well, that's where we, we somehow had her on. We had her on first when it was like very early on in the in the show, in the season. And then we had her again after, you know, we 
the show was over and we can she can talk more freely about it and so I didn't make the realization until I was editing the first time she was on and I was looking for clips and there was a clip that showed the actual last episode of the season when we weren't even halfway through the episode I was like what what is this so I messaged Emily uh, Emily I messaged Mary Lou I go hey is this she goes, I can't say anything about it, but yeah, it was filmed a, a while back. It was filmed like two years ago. So same situation with you. It was filmed way yeah. before. I think the season 19, which was Mary Lou's season, was filmed three weeks before our season. So, or I, I don't know, I'm just throwing around numbers, but right after they stopped, we came in and we filmed the season. So back to back. Wow. It's almost like they knew everything was going to shut down. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Big reveal. Were you worried that it wasn't going to come out or at all? Totally. Oh, yeah. I, I'm in a group message with all of the season 20 chefs. And we every single day we were like, I think that we just dreamed of this. I think that this is, <laughs> I think we were just like in some sort of, what's that movie um, where they're all hooked up to a machine? Oh man, I'm really the, bad. Um, the Matrix? The Matrix. We're like, well, I think we're all in the Matrix right now because <laughs> it didn't seem real. And it was so depressing because we all had to, everybody like had to stop working because they're all restaurant chefs and, Luckily, my parents, I, I was in New York at the time, and I moved back to Texas. And Luckily, my parents were like, yes, you can come stay with us again. It was just a big mess for, for chefs at the time. So we were just like, dude, we need this show. Like, we can <laughs> like, cling on to and see the light at the end of the tunnel. So definitely there were times where we were like, "This, I don't think this happened. Yeah, that's crazy to think that, you know, regardless of what you think the show is going to do for you, um, just knowing that the show is a big deal and then it's not coming out and you're kind of like, I want that, that boost that the show promises, you know, especially with somebody like you that made it into the top seven and anybody that made it after that, you know, they, you guys have this promise of exposure to whether it's, I don't know, nowadays, social media fame, but also now, it can also push you in the fact to let people know that you're a legit chef. You know what you're doing in the kitchen. Yeah. And I think what makes it so important is that there's this kind of, um, what's the word? Just way of chefs where everybody is in a hierarchy. And I remember when I was applying to jobs, it was like, oh, well, you need about 10 years of experience of being a chef before you can do anything worthwhile. And it's like, whoa, I understand the training but 10 years, like, <laughs> I can't, I, I have to be a line cook that makes minimum wage for 10 years. Like, I don't, I don't like that. So having something like Hell's Kitchen to put on your resume or say that you did. But the, the thing that I was just most looking forward to was just to be able to share my experience because I think I'm a huge competition reality show person. Like I've seen all of the competition reality shows just because those people are so inspiring. I love hearing their stories. And so I wanted to be that person to be like, this was my story. I've done this. I've waited two years to talk about it, but I've done it. And <laughs> you too, you know? 
<laughs> I'm a huge fan of reality TV too, so hardcore. What's your favorite? Um, I've always wanted to be in the real world, but since now, obviously, they don't do that. Like my dream is still not. I don't know if it's still to be, but I would love to see how I would do in the MTV challenge. Oh, the fitness one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like obviously, I need to get back into shape, but uh, into a shape <laughs> or something. But I um or um I would love to see if I can do the like the whole mind game stuff and like alliances and all that like yeah i would love to see if i can how well i would do or not do you don't want to do you don't want to do any rope challenges is what you're saying oh don't put me on ropes i can't climb a rope for nothing (laughs) (laughs) never be able to do that even (laughs) even when i was like at my most fit i could never climb a rope so no way but that's my favorite what's your favorite my favorite and you can't say hell's kitchen (laughs) <laughs> but before before I tell my favorite, I want to know: Would you be like the villain of the show, or would you be like the miscongeniality of the show? See, I feel like I would be the one that is friends with everybody, mm-hmm. but at the end of the show, everybody figures out that I was just fucking over everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how I would be. Unfortunately, like because I, I feel like I can connect with people, but when it's when it comes down to like realizing that it's a competition, then it's all, you know, free for all too. Those get the most screen time too. So it's, it's good TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then again, I feel like my, my political game will, would just destroy itself real quick. And I probably would just end up on the couch eating hot Cheetos and I would get eliminated real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think or you're drunk and you realize you made an alliance with the wrong person. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> that would be my dumb voice. Saying something's like, yeah, I got your back, bro. I got your back. <laughs> this guy, right? Fuck. And then talking to them at the same time or something. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that show. I need to go watch it now. But oh, man. I need to go watch it. I think my, my show, actually, without a question, my reality show that I love to be on is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a drag name already. Like, I was a drag name. Okay. My drag name is Rosie Rosenthorn because, number one, I'm Jewish. So you have to do a Rosenthorn at the end. <laughs> number two, I love pink wigs. So I need a, a wig that's going to be, or a name that's going to be like pink or like rose, you know? So. That's my- Larry, since you're doing drag names, what is yours? My drag name? I don't know. I, I feel like I always come up with them and then I forget them. Um, I saw the other, I saw one that I think it's already a drag name, like somebody. So I'm sorry if I'm infringing on anybody's copyright. But I just think I saw one the other day, it was like Rigamortis. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know why. I just think that's a great, like, it's so funny. Like Rigamortis. I mean, I don't know. There's so many good drag names out there. I feel like it's really hard to top them nowadays. Like some of them are so like, like since you like drivers, my favorite drag queen is Jiggly Caliente. Like she is my favorite. And it's just, and it's, she's funny and it's the name. Yeah. Like it's the name. And even though she's like going through a fitness journey right now, so she's really skinny. It's like, no, you're still Jiggly Caliente. Like, you know, it all works out okay. So 
always be jiggly, cali- jiggly if you're going to be jiggly caliente. Yeah, for even, sure. But even I don't if know. it's just the mindset. Right. George, what's your drag name? I'm I'm not, I'm on the same boat. I feel like I always come up with them. Uh, for I don't but I remember I te- I don't know if I texted you or I texted somebody else, but I said I finally got this name and I I really was real proud thinking that I came up with something super original. And I texted it and I still I can't remember what it was, but I remember the text came back and it was B, that's already taken. And I was like, oh crap. I was like, I thought it was super original on it. And uh um, but I really had thought about joining. I've never said this before, but I've talked to, to one of my friends. We were we were thinking of ideas because I had this other YouTube channel that I had started, which was called uh, Positive Impact, and we were trying to go and immerse ourselves into with somebody in the community that's making a positive impact and try to do what they're doing and tell the story. And so one of the things was we should do something for uh, for the gay pride that here's, that's here in San Antonio. And I was telling my story or the, this one guy, I was telling him about the one time I went to the gay pride parade and that this drag queen called me out for being there. She's like, uh, like, I don't know where, how it went, but it was, it came out. She was like, hi, honey, whatever. And I ended up saying, oh no, I'm not gay. And so she, she, or I don't, you know, the drag queen was like, well, what are you doing here? And I go, I'm just supporting my friends. And so she goes, we don't need your support, honey. We need you to come on stage and shake that. I was just like, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I was telling that story to my friend. He goes, dude, it would be so fun if you did that for like the YouTube channel, like just became a drag queen and like showed how like all the work. Cause another friend of ours, like was actually a drag queen for a while. I was like, it takes a lot of work to do that and all the makeup and then to walk in high heels if you're not able to. And, you know, all that craziness to just showcase that. So wow. I thought it would be a cool idea. So since then, I've always been trying to come up with drag queen names and they never stick or they're never original. I would be your number one fan if you did that for your YouTube. So. <laughs> I go watch. I yeah, go watch. I would watch. I actually need that advice because when I tried to be a drag queen for Halloween, I tried to block my brows, like cover them up. And I tried so many times with the hot, with the Elmer's glue and it wouldn't do any, it wouldn't cover them up. I'm like, I feel like you have to have a special. You put glue on your eyebrow. Yeah. But I think their secret is that they use the blue Elmer's glue. That's what I've seen. Oh, you use the blue. (laughs) It's funny. have what it takes. I, just, I, I, I didn't. It didn't rip off your eyebrows at all. Mm. Okay, I'm I, really I new to this. <laughs> I uh, during COVID, I started. I don't know how I wound up on. I'm like during you know during COVID. There's these like 24 hour days where you just like I don't sleep because why are you going to go to sleep? You're not going to do anything the next day. So you go through these cycles and you go through the YouTube hole. And I wound up starting to watch like drag queen makeup tutorials, which I'm never going to do it. You know. But I was telling one of my friends and he's and he's like, why would you watch that? I'm like, I challenge you to watch one and not watch a second one. And then he texts him like six hours later. He's like, I've been watching these all day. They're amazing. And I'm like, yes, like it's 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 a talent. It's a gift. Like I give props to any man or woman or anybody that can do that. Like it's it's a thing. Mm-hmm. So my mom actually um, took me aside one day during court and told me I was watching too much Drag Race. 
<laughs> Emily, you're watching the. She doesn't know the name of it. She's like, you're watching the drag queens way too much. Like, why don't you read a book or something? I'm like, mom, because they're helping me with my depression in in quarantine. Like, please let me have this. I don't and it's know, the only yeah. place where you can get some good one-liners, like anywhere, like even if you're at home. Well, hopefully, not. I don't know if some of them are like mom appropriate, but, you know, there are always good one-liners there too. She can handle it. <laughs> so uh, now I'm trying to think about what I'm going to name this episode. <laughs> Since we've totally, in tr- true to hard to fast fashion, we've gone off the rails and I love it. Um so I kind of want to bring it up. I'll bring it a little bit back to the on the rails, back on the wagon. I wish if we're going to throw that out there again, uh, <laughs> a little bit on and off. Um, I, I want to go back to like uh, the whole being a plant based chef because it's super interesting because on the show you're cooking with meat and protein. And so one time my wife she became vegan for a while mm-hmm. and it sucked for me a lot and i was only like 80 percent vegan mm-hmm. meaning i i ate meat on the weekends all right 2h2fers we're having a great time with emily hirsch chef emily hirsch and i know we're going off the rails but we're gonna eventually hit season 20 young guns of hell's kitchen we're gonna talk about our experience there but there was a really important conversation we had to have uh regarding eating disorders and i really appreciate the sincerity with that so but with that said we're going to pause the conversation come back thursday and we're going to continue the conversation larry's going to be the guest co-host still thank you for doing this larry what do you have to say thursday i was told this was a one-night engagement and also when do i get paid uh, don't break the fourth wall, Larry. And with that said, there be you, there be weird. We'll come <laughs> Wait, back. No, no, no. When do I get paid? We'll come back Thursday. Thursday, Larry, you're gonna be here, right? You're gonna be here, Larry. We'll see. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye. I didn't get a Venmo. <laughs> <laughs>